to introduce to you the world-renowned Matthew Lorenzen. That was entirely, night when you get Jason Hall in the second row, entirely too much. You know, it's a special night when you get Jason Hall in the second row. It's a special, special night. I'm going to sit. Ira Cunningham sits. I feel like that's a good thing. I feel like that works out well, so I'm going to sit so that I'm as comfortable as can be sitting in front of family and friends. If I don't know you, my name is Matt, and we are now family or a friend because that's the best way for me to be up here to, to be able to do this. Um, I've got my outline, and I've got all, all my notes. We've got a lot up here. So I've never done this before. I say that. Um, my name is Matt. I've been part of Grace Meadows Church since the very beginning. Um, served as an elder for a, a long while. Um, rolled off, after, took a little break, which was nice. Um, I've taught in different capacity. Uh, with my wife and I, we did college and career at a former church. We've done life groups for a lot of years. I've, I've seen a lot of you in life groups. We've taught the youth and kids. And now I'm going to be over the youth and kids moving forward from here. So this may be the last Wednesday you get to have me up here. Um, but I'm excited about that, excited about leading up the youth department down there and getting that going. Um, it's exciting. It's exciting for me. But I've never had the privilege of being up here with you all. Um, one time I was in the pavilion. This was early, early on. And uh, for whatever reason, the pastors couldn't be there. My number got called. And... I told everybody that I said, this is going to be a devotion. I'm not a preacher. I'm not a teacher. I'm not a pastor. I'm a devotioner. So it was going to be a devotion. And I told them it's going to be around 15 minutes. Somebody, I'm not sure who it was, timed me. And at the end of it came up and said, you were 11 minutes and 15 seconds. That's how long my devotion was. Tonight may make it a little bit longer than that. Um, but I do want to I do want to set expectations. Uh, in life, it's always good to manage expectations, to know what the expectations are as what you're getting into, and I think it's good to manage expectations. So, number one, lower your expectations of what you think is going to happen tonight because this is, this is new for me, okay? But I do want to say, expectation-wise, that I expect when you all leave here, you're going to have some Scripture memorized. Again, I'm used to youth. You're going to have some Scripture memorized, and you're going to have, some, have a challenge on your life to take that with you. Um, that's the expectations for tonight. So we're going to be in 1 Thessalonians, and the verse is 1 Thess Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. How hard is it to change that to the NIV? If, if possible. If not, that's okay. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. I am all those things. I rejoice, I'm happy, I pray all the time, I'm always thankful, I wake up just excited and smiling and happy all the time. Amen, honey? <laughs> Notice there were no amens to that. That is not me. I do not characterize those verses. That, that's, not, that's not who I am. Um, you say, well, you're the teacher. You're supposed to know and be the, the professional in this. You're supposed to know what you're saying and what you're doing. I'm not. I'm learning this as you all are learning this. Some of you all have this figured out better than others, but I'm learning this just as much 
as the rest of you guys. So we're going to be taught by the Word together. You're not learning from anyone that has it figured out. That's the expectation. Um, so this is the church of Thessalonica. You, look, you can see in Acts 17 what's going on in there, the first few verses of that. Um, the church is under fire. The church is under persecution. This is 50 years after Jesus was killed on the cross, crucified, and then rose again. This is around 50 years A.D., after, the, after his death. Um, the church is under fire. It's growing rapidly throughout the region, but Christians are being persecuted. They're being chased down. They're being thrown in jail. It's not easy for the Christians. Christianity is growing stronger and stronger because of the persecution, but that is what this church is dealing with at that time. That's what's going on in Thessalonians. You see this letter, uh, that's what's going on in Acts in, in Thessalonica. You see this letter to the church of Thessalonians. Paul, everyone knows Paul, he's the author of this letter. And he comes out, letter form, meaning they all sat down and they read this all together, all the way through. You know, we read it in chapters. We're lucky if we read a few verses here and there. But they read it all as one letter all the way to the end. Um, and what had happened was Paul and Silas, they were in Thessalonica with a man named, I lost it because I don't know what I'm doing all the time. Somebody help me. Jason. Jason was his name. There he was. They were with a man named Jason. Jason was the pastor, essentially, of the church of Thessalonica. So Paul, Silas, and Jason are there. They've been preaching in the synagogue for about three weeks. The Jews start to get upset with some of what they're saying, what they're doing, and raise up a mob and run them out of town. They run Paul and Silas into hiding and arrest Jason, basically the pastor. This letter is then written to the church um, to address some doctrinal matters, but at the very end gives them some words of instruction, some final instructions. When I look at this, it's at the very end. It's like it's the final. This is what I really want you to grab hold of. In my Bible, it says final instructions, and you see these three verses. Um, I look at it as a, as a parent-to-a-child kind of relationship where when I first started driving, my mom would say, Matthew, put your seatbelt on. You call me when you get there. Be careful. Turn the music down and drive safe. Like that was the last thing. Hold this. Drive safe. Same thing as a coach to a parent. Um, in coaching, we coach first and second grade basketball. Before tip-off, it's always, you know, pass the ball, play defense, have fun. And remember, we're shooting that way. Go that way when you get the ball. That's the most important thing that you want them to take hold of. That's what we have here in this letter to the Church of Thessalonians. You get to the end and you see this, this verse here. Rejoice always, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Point number one, very simple. Rejoice always. Rejoice always. One memory verse down. Good job. Rejoice always. That's the second shortest verse in the Bible. Pretty, pretty easy, pretty good one, easy one there to remember. Rejoice always. Do you know people that wake up just happy all the time, that are just mourning people but all day long? Are any of you guys like that? There's one. There's one. She's not raising her own hand, but someone's raising There's another one. There's a few mourning people. Those people... You got to watch them. You got to watch them. Rejoice always. What does rejoice mean? What's the definition of rejoice? I know it, but I'm going to read it. It's a verb to feel or show great joy. 
So the word joy, we see joy. Well, what is joy? Well, it's happiness. No, that's not very good. Happiness to me is circumstantial. You can be in a certain situation and be happy. You can get a new toy, a new item, a new car, and you can be happy. But the car gets old, the car gets dinged, the car gets dented. You're no longer happy. happy happiness is circumstantial. Joy overrides that. Joy is always, and it's always present. I kind of can think of a worldly view of that as, as a parent, as a father. When my children were born, my first child, that first week in the hospital was just full of joy, and it still is joy. Joy and happiness all together because of the circumstance, because of what being a parent was. But as they get older and as life goes on, there's times you are unhappy with your child, but you still have joy. It's just, it's there and it does not go away. That's what joy is. The definition that I came up with for me, I didn't read this anywhere or find this, was a state of happiness that, this is the Christian view of it, a state of happiness that isn't determined by your worldly situation because your eternal situation is settled. You know Jesus. You know where you're going. You know where you will be in eternity when you know Jesus. That brings you and that gives you a joy that you carry around with you everywhere you go. That's the kind of joy that we see here when it talks about rejoice. Um, when I think of joy in the Bible, I think of James 1, chapter, chapter 1, verse 2 through 3. I think he has it up there. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Paul says this to the church, and they are under attack. They're under fire. Their pastor had been thrown in jail. They're being run out of town. They're being persecuted all across the region, and they're in their town. The church is dealing with a storm. They are dealing with things that we really, in our world today, we can't comprehend. They're storms. We, we, I don't think that we can truly grasp what they are dealing with. They're in hiding. They're running for their lives because the people are coming after them, but yet the church is still growing. But Paul is telling them, to rejoice. How do you do that in a storm? Why do you have to do that in a storm? Why does James say to consider it pure joy when you go through storms of any kind? Because in those storms, God's going to grow you. He's going he's to get the glory if you allow him to work in your life and give it back to him and give him your worship. But these storms come our way, number one, because he allows it. He allows these storms to come away, not always because of what you've done. It's not because of that. Sometimes it is, yes, but sometimes it's just because God allows this to happen to you because he cares, because he wants to see you shaped. He wants to see you molded stronger and more like him. Um, I look at it like this. Uh, I coach first and, second, first and second grade basketball, like I said, and my little daughter, she plays Allie June, and usually um, we've got a few coaches. I'm the good coach, not the good coach. I'm the good cop of the coaches. I'm the good cop. We have a bad cop as well. I'm a softy. You come at me and you yell at me, I'm going to start crying and I'm going to melt. So is my wife and so are our children. We cry. We're soft. You yell at us. We just hide in the corner. We don't like to be yelled at. And my kids are the same way. So I coach accordingly. I'm soft. You know, it's okay. We're going to be okay, Johnny. It's fine. Don't worry about it. But one day I took a back seat to the other coach, the bad cop, every now and then, and he's a much better coach than I am, but he's also 
the bad cop. Well, we had a day where we could not catch pass. I mean, there's parents in here, they know. We could not catch pass as, as kids and in a practice. Next thing I know, Coach Steven, get on the baseline, go run sprints. You drop a pass, you're going to run a sprint. So here's these first and second graders running sprints. We turned into a track team very quick. <laughs> Johnny misses a pass, Jimmy misses a pass, Allie misses a pass, get on the baseline and run. It was very different for our team. Most of the kids handled that. We got in the car, and Allie kept it together until we got to that point. We got in the car, and she lost it. Daddy, why did he yell at us? Why did he make us run? Why did we have to do that? Why did that go on? Why did I have to do that? Why was it so hard? Allie, Allie, listen. I said, Coach Steven, he loves you. He cares for you, and he sees so much potential in you as a team, so much potential in you as an individual. He's going to challenge you. He's going to put you through things so that when you get out of this storm and get into the real thing, you're ready. You're going to be able to handle it. You're going to be able to fight back and do what you need to do. That's what happened. Next time we get into the game, she catches the pass, she makes a shot. We have to go through the storms to be able to be ready when life hits us, right? It's the same thing here. Consider it joy when the world comes at you. Consider it joy when the Lord sees fit, when he sees that, hey, my servant right here can take this. My servant right here can be challenged by this and come out the other side stronger, giving me the glory all the way through. So consider it joy when you go through trials of any kind. Joy is the word I just said, but the word in the verse is rejoice. Rejoice, I told you, meant, it's a verb, that meant to act out joy. Your actions have joy. So that's an outward display of the inward joy. Is your life characterized by rejoicing? Are your actions characterized by rejoicing when you go about your daily walk? Are your actions, are your interactions with others, are your reactions to others sometimes full of joy? I believe it's a choice. You have a choice to show this joy. You have a choice to rejoice when you look at the end of the verse that says those that are in Christ Jesus can do this because Galatians 5.22 says that the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy. You receive this, when you receive Christ, you receive this joy in your heart. Do you choose to share it with others? Rejoice always. The second point is what? Pray continually. So we rejoice always, we pray continually, and start from the top, we You've got two verses down now. See, I'm fulfilling your expectations. Pray continually. Give me your notes. Do you know the people that are always praying? You come to them with something, let me stop and just pray for you right now. Do you, do you know people like that? I know a few. I know a few. Are you that way? I'm not always that way. There's times people come to me, hey, this is going on, this is going on, pray for me. Yeah, I, yeah, I'll, I'll pray for you. And it's, it's, it's truly good intention. So if I said that to you tonight, it's truly good intentions. But if you said that to me tonight, my focus is going here and going here and going here. I lose focus, I, I get distracted, and I may forget to come back and pray for you. That's not how we should be. This says to pray continually. It's all through the New Testament to pray continually, to be devoted to prayer. Look at Philippians 4, 6. Devote yourself, no, it's Colossians. I'll read it back there. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. 
tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Pray continually. Colossians. Devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Devote. Make it your focus. Make it your priority. Yes, there's times that we're going to lose our focus. We're going to lose our priority. We're going to lose our way as we're walking through life. And someone says, hey, pray for me about this. Will you pray about this? Yes, yes, I will, I will, I will. Do it. Pray right then. People will be, they'll be amazed that you stop and do this. A friend of mine, a good friend of mine, told me a story today about at the CrossFit gym where he goes. Um, there was a, a, a fellow that's, a, he's an unbeliever, uh, not a Christian, and he got hurt and fell to the ground, and there is another man there that is a pastor of a local church around here. And the guy's laying on the ground in pain, and this man, the pastor, walked right over to him and said, hey, can I pray for you? Laid hands and prayed for him. That's what we should do as Christians. That's what the verse says, pray continually. Always be praying. Now, do I think, again, I'm not, I'm not the, the theologian here, so if I say something wrong, by all means, check me in this. I'm not so sure that it means to always be on your hands and knees praying in your prayer closet. Yes, be devoted to prayer. Always be praying. Pray all the time. Yes. But I also think that is, I mean, it's, it's going to be impossible. I'm not trying to water down what the Word says. But it's going to be impossible to stay in your prayer closet, on your knees, praying all the time. So, I did a little looking and a little checking, and I'll, this is somewhat of a sidebar. Guys, this is not my day job. This is not what I do, but I've known about this for a few weeks that this may come my way. So I, I, I'm reading my Bible, yes, but I came across this scripture, three verses, picked it up, and began to study. It took me Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians, Luke, Acts, the other letters in the Bible, even Revelation, and I ran back out of Revelation. But these verses took me so many places in study, it's amazing how deep you can go with just three verses. It's amazing. And I'm telling you, you if you're not, get into the Word and study something. You will be shocked how deep it goes and how much you learn and how you have the ability to get up here and do this. That's a sidebar. But in that, in that learning, in that education that I found, I ran across a Greek word. For pray, prosukame, probably not how you say it, but it's relevant, it's important, and it means to come toward. So that word there, pray, to come toward continually. So when I just said that I don't think you can be on your hands and knees praying all the time, and then when I see the Greek word saying, it means to come toward him constantly. That I think we can do. That I think when we wake up in the morning, our focus can be on him. We can look to him. We can come towards Christ every single day in everything we do if we make that choice. Persukame, to come toward, come towards him in all your interactions. Because if you are focused on that, if you are choosing to come towards the Lord, and when that person comes up to you and says, hey, will you pray for me? Yes, I will. Let's do it right now. Let's pray about this right now. Because he's right there. He's ready for you. You're already walking step by step with him. You can pray right then for your brother, for your sister. That's, as Christians, what we should do. I talk about expectations. The title of this was, What'd You Expect? We need to know what to expect. The world is not going to walk this way. The world is not going to be characterized this way. They're not going to walk in rejoicing. They're not going to walk in prayer, right? Because at the end of this, it says, 
those that are in the will of God do this. They're not, so they're not going to do these things. So we can expect to encounter the world that doesn't do this. How are they going to see Jesus? How are they going to know if we don't do it? If we don't bring this to them, how are they going to know when that guy is laying on the ground hurt, that's an unbeliever, and this Christian comes up to him and says, let me pray for you. He accepted. He's like, yes, please pray for me. How is the world going to know if, if we don't do it? We have to do it. That's our call. That is God's will for our lives. That is his general will for our lives, to rejoice, to pray, and to give thanks. Point number three, give thanks. So rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So can we do that? Rejoice always. Very good. It's not on the screen. That's all right. That's, that's two and a half. We're going to get the last half here in a minute. That's, that's pretty good. That's, that's pretty good. Give thanks in all things. Paul, again, he's telling the church Thessalonians, they've dealt with a lot. They're going through a storm and a battle. He's told them to rejoice through this. Rejoice. You guys can do this. Rejoice in this. Pray through this. Don't stop praying. You can continue on. Keep doing this. And the last thing he says is give thanks in all circumstances. So does that mean that we give thanks for the storms of our life? Do we give, do we give thanks for the wars that are going on? Do we give thanks for a broken marriage? Do we give thanks for the bad diagnosis that we just got? Do we give thanks for the problems that work? Do we give thanks for losing a job? We don't give thanks for them. No, that's not what it says. It says, give thanks in all circumstances. And there is a big difference in a small set of words. We, we don't thank God for wars. We don't thank God for deaths. We don't thank God for these things. But we can thank God in all things. And there's a difference. Well, how, how do you do that and why do you do that? You give thanks in all things because when you do that, you recognize that God is sovereign. It's a big word, sovereign. It's a church word. God is sovereign. When you can say that I'm giving thanks in this, I'm giving thanks despite this relationship going south, despite the situation that we're in, despite what the doctors have told me, you can give thanks in those situations. You were saying, God, I see that you are sovereign. I see that you are in control and that you have this. That is worship to him. That glorifies him. And that, as Christians, is what we need to do. Because when you can walk in that, when you can do that and give thanks in those things, when the storm is the worst in your life, man, that gives God the glory. And that stretches your faith as, as to who you are and to how you're going to come on the other side of the storm. That will increase your faith when you can give thanks in the storm, recognizing that God is sovereign. God is sovereign. He always was, he always is, and he always will be. He knows all and is all and is above all. The only way that we can do these things is to know him. The only way to know him is to be in his word, to be in this thing, to know who the Lord is. That's how we can walk in these ways and get better at it. I told you I'm not great at these things. I don't have this figured out yet. The more I get in here, the more these things come out, the more that I was focused on these three verses over the past few weeks. No, I probably failed at it several times, honey, but I'm trying. Like it is, 
the focus of my mind because I was in the Word. I was preparing. I was studying. When that is the focus, it comes back out. You can come towards the Lord when this is what you're seeking after. When you're in His Word, seeking after Him, you will see that God is sovereign. He is in control. And when I walk through these storms, when I'm dealing with these things in my life, God can be glorified. God will be glorified if I choose to give him the glory. The closing, I told you guys that the end, like the end of the letter, is one of the most important parts. So is, so is this, the closing. This is where you wake up and pay back attention. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now, I, I talked about that, scattered through this. Those three things, rejoice, pray, give thanks. This is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. People say all the time, youth, I hear it, we hear it from friends all the time. What is God's will for my life? There is a specific will for your life, and Ira spoke to that to a degree Sunday. But there's a general will for all of us. That's a big piece of it right there. This is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. You are a Christian, you claim to know the Lord, then your life should look like this. You should rejoice, you should pray, and you should give thanks. When you know him, this is what should come out. This is God's will for you for your life. But do we do that? Do we live our lives that way and in that manner? Whether it be your marriage, whether it be your relationships, whether it be your work, what is God's will? What should I do? How should I handle it? Rejoice, pray, give thanks. If it's a diagnosis, if it's a work situation, if it's something that you cannot control, rejoice, rejoice, pray, give thanks. That is what we are to do as Christians so that the world sees it, that your brothers and sisters in Christ see it, and most importantly, God sees it. We are designed, we are created to worship him. That is worshiping him with your life. Pastors, a lot of times, I've sat under a lot and I've heard a lot. And you know, you hear them and they say, they're teaching their message and you won't believe what happened to me this week that pairs exactly with this. And I'm always like, eh, did, that, did that really work out that way? I'm here to tell you, for me, yes, it did. Um, so two things, just over the past three weeks. This has been, again, a, a two to three week process for me. Um, there's, there's been transition. There's been change. There's been, there's been heaviness in my life, be it church, be it home, be it work, be it life, be it relationships. There's been heaviness. No one thing in particular. First encounter, both these from church. One He's not here today, um, but I'll say his name, Chris Feathers. I've known Chris for probably 10 years. I've talked to Chris probably twice on the phone. Yes, he's a friend, but I, I don't really know him. But I was having one of those days with one of those issues on my mind that was heavy on me. And I called Chris for another thing totally unrelated. It was about life group, just totally unrelated, called Chris. And I'm telling you, the minute he answered that phone, he was filled with joy. I mean, there was joy in his voice, and I was taken aback. Like, and I even said, Chris, I was like, man, that, is that always you? Like, is that always how you are? It's like, brother, I can choose. I can choose to be happy. I can choose to rejoice and be joyful, or I can choose to be sad and moping around. Why would I choose that when I can choose this? The Lord has blessed me. I'm going to choose happiness. I walked out of that conversation lifted. I mean, completely changed. Ira talked about a Sunday. We pray for people to be put in our path. 
hey, pray for so-and-so to be put in their path today so that they'll turn. Pray for this person in their path so that they'll turn. I prayed that way. Lord, put someone in my path today to make me see this, to show me this, to change that. But I very rarely pray for me to be that person on the path to encounter that person, right? Today, that day, Chris Feathers was that person for me. As I walked down the path, Chris Feathers came and met me just like that. He rejoiced to me. The joy from him changed my direction, changed my disposition. The second one, similar scenario, I was dreading a conversation I was going to have to have. I was dreading a situation that I was going to have to deal with. I didn't want to deal with it. I didn't want to have to have the conversation. I didn't want to talk about it. I didn't want to have to go anywhere near it. I was having, sitting at my office, and Dan Fletcher called me, completely unrelated, just asking about church on, on Wednesday night, how it's going to look, what we're going to do, this, that, and the other. And he asked me, like Dan usually does, how's it going? And I said, well, man, th this is going on. And, and without even asking me, he didn't ask me. He didn't say he was going to. He just launched right into this prayer for me, for my protection, for my life, for what I needed to, to give me a path, to give me a way to be sure that I got through this, that the Lord would be glorified. I mean, just, he didn't even ask. He just prayed. Just, Dan, I got this problem. Boom, he's praying. Do you know what happened? Nothing. Nothing happened. That conversation never happened. I never had to deal with it. That person never came around. It never showed up in my life. And I gave God the glory all the way through that day and even told Dan. It just, Dan, that, that settled it, that answered it. He met me on the path and changed that day. He changed that day for me. That bit of encouragement to me to see that as I'm studying through this, to see, rejoice, to pray, to give thanks. That is what we should be doing as a church family. That is how we should be characterized as Christians. I said expectations. We can expect that the world is not going to do this. But you know what? The Lord expects us to be doing this because it's his will for our lives. It says it there. The Lord expects us to do these things. We have to manage expectations in our life. We have to know what is expected of us. We have to understand how that works. Expect to encounter people that don't have this. Know that the Lord expects this of you. But also know that each other, all of us, we're a new church. The Thessalonica, they were a new church. We're starting anew again. Can this church be characterized by rejoicing with each other, by praying with each other, by giving thanks with each other? Every time we come in these doors, every time we leave these doors, if we strengthen each other that way, we encourage each other that way, there's no stopping what the Lord can do for us. There's no stopping what he will do for us. We've seen Grace Meadows from the beginning, 65, 70 people, grow to five, 600 people. And here we are again, starting anew. And for me, this is where I land. This is God's will for us as individuals, as Christians, to rejoice, to pray, and to give thanks. That's my challenge to you guys. We have the choice to do it. If you are a believer of Christ, in Christ, you know what he has done for you. You know who he is. This is God's will for you. Choose to rejoice, choose to pray, and choose to give thanks. Let's pray. Father, I thank you. I thank you for allowing me the opportunity to be up here. God, I thank you that you gave me, you gave me the words to speak, the words to share. 
Lord, I know they came from you. I know is what you wanted me to share and what you wanted me to say. And I never thought there was any way I could do this, nor did I want to do this. But God, you saw me through it. And I just, I thank you for that. And I give you all the glory. I give you all the glory. And I just, I thank you so much. And I pray that as we go from here, that this, this changes my life. If no one else, that it changes my life. That no, there's, there's going to be days that I don't do this. There's going to be a lot of days that I don't do this. But God, I just pray that you are my focus. This is my focus. That I understand it more. That I understand it in a deeper way. And that this church body understands it in a deeper way. In a new way. In a refreshing way. God, let us seek out the people that are on our path. Not just seeing the people that are going to come into our lives and change our path. But let us be the one that changes their life. Let us be the ones that change their path. By being obedient to your word, obedient to your will, and what you've called us to do as Christians. Father, I love you, and I thank you. Guys, I'll end, end with this. They're going to they're gonna sing. But if you need to rejoice over something, rejoice. If